The U.S. men's national team is on fire, ranked number two in the world, and they're coming to Charleston, West Virginia, for the men's continental championship from September 5th through the 10th. This is your only chance to watch them live in the U.S. before they head to Tokyo, Japan for the Olympic qualifier. Watch the U.S. take on powerhouses like Cuba and Canada as they battle for the championship. It's an action-packed event you can't afford to miss. Get your tickets now at usavolleyball.org. Welcome to the USA Volleyball Show, the official podcast of USA Volleyball. We are now officially on episode number 72. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, my co-host Stephen Munson uh, is now currently and officially out on paternity leave, uh, being a new father. Um, so I'll be going solo dolo for this episode. And um, actually throughout um, his course of absence, absence around like the next six or seven weeks, um, maybe bringing in a co-host or two or a surprise guest or two to, you know, help me carry out these episodes too. So I mean, very, very, very exciting there. Um, but yeah, uh, Stephen, good luck to you um, and your wife, Tessa. We are all rooting for you three. Um, best of luck, Stephen. So that's what's new with Stephen. Uh, as far as everything with me, volleyball is life, apparently. So just getting ready to start up our first official game uh, tomorrow um, at the time of this recording here, too, at the high school that I'm at. And then uh, just getting rolling, getting ready for a busy, busy, busy club season as well. Uh, so that's just the life and how it's been, too, on top of everything else uh, related to USA Volleyball specifically. Um, so enough about that. You know, we always talk about coaching here and there, too. Before we get into this episode, if you haven't already listened to our previous episode, episode 71, um, we sat down with executive director and president of the USA Volleyball Florida region, Steve Bishop. Steve shared about his background in volleyball, his upcoming motorcycle trip, and we also learned more about volleyball in the Florida region specifically. Then uh, they took a deep, deep dive into the history and success of the All-Star Championship, which is also formerly known as the High Performance Championship as well. Um, listen now on all podcast platforms or watch the episode or other episodes as well on the USA Volleyball YouTube channel. Now, it was weird introducing myself into this, but let's get into news with Hughes. Um, we're celebrating a lot of USA teams today. Trust me, it is a lot. Starting off, congratulations to the girls U19 national team for bringing home the gold medal at the FIBB U19 World Championship. What a huge victory it was for them. Also, congratulations to the boys U19 national team who ended up in fourth place at the FIBB U19 World Championships. And this boys U19 team was a history-making team indeed. This is the furthest that any boys team has gone in the tournament. So Big congratulations to that team and the girls team as well. Both teams, you guys played so well. Huge congratulations to you guys. And you guys played 
amazing throughout the whole whole tournament there too. And congratulations to the U.S. Women's National Team for winning bronze at the 2023 North Pan American Cup. The U.S. Men's National Team ended up in fifth place overall at the 2023 North Pan American Cup. Also, a big congratulations to Taryn Clove and Kristen Nuss for bringing home silver at the FIVB Elite 16 in Hamburg, Germany. Another congratulations is well indeed due to our former guest, Taylor Sander, and partner, Taylor Crabb, for winning the 2023 AVP Manhattan Beach Open this past weekend, as well as congratulations to former guest of the pod, Julia Scholes, and her partner, Betsy Flint, for also winning the 2023 Manhattan Beach Open. A lot of rain happening over the weekend, and, you know, California's going through it, but both teams definitely were able to squeeze it out, and 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 get the gold medal there too. So big congrats congratulations to the four of them. Attention, athletes in the 2023-2024 USA volleyball season. We will be launching memberships starting September 1st. Membership season is a go starting on the first of September. So for all of those who applies to make sure you register for the season now. Get your chance to see the US men's national team compete on home soil. One more time, the U.S. Men's National Team will be competing in the Norseka Continental Championship from September 5th through the 10th at the Charleston Coliseum and Convention Center in Charleston, West Virginia. Get your tickets right now. For more on all of the latest news, be sure to visit usavolleyball.org. Now, for today's show. We've got a great one, and I'm so, so sad I missed our interview because this person is also a cat person, and it's not a lot of those that come on the podcast here and there, but we sat down with Olympic gold medalist and U.S. Women's National Team setter, Micah Hancock. Micah gets down into some of her favorite memories from Tokyo, including getting the getting in the game, excuse me, when the starting setter went down. She also chats about um, her time spent playing overseas and in Italy and so much, much more. Um, this is such a great conversation. But yeah, enough for me. Here is Micah Hancock. Thank you so much, Micah. We appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk with us. We're excited to have you on. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. I, I like to kind of kick things off with just kind of a fun, loose question here. What's something that USA volleyball fans might not know about you? Well, there's a lot behind the athlete, as we all know, but um, maybe that I love to dance. I think they probably know I'm a cat mom at this point, but yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, well, we'll get to the, the cat part too later. <laughs> Don't, so you like to dance? Any like particular like type of dancing, like country line dancing or just you all know, dance? I love dancing and that's kind of what led me to volleyball, but um, I just love to groove. I love to like, I used to do like interpretive dance. So it's just like, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a big, um, I guess, fan of anyone dancing the way they want and not being like judgmental. Cause I feel like when you, when you dance, everyone's like, you're, you're feeling like, Oh, am I like being, am I self-conscious about it? Like what's the, what's the vibe? And it's like, dude, just do what feels right to you. And so it's like, just kind of like liberation through moving your body. Yeah. That's awesome. I didn't know that about you. Uh, what 
I think you said volleyball led you or sorry, dancing led you to volleyball. What do you mean by that specifically? So dance was my first love and I did it for like eight years of my life. And um, there was one point where I was doing both and I was just like tapped out and I was young. Right. But I was tapped out like energy levels wise. And I remember being in a dance class and I had just had volleyball and my dance teacher was like, if you went 100 percent volleyball, like I need 100 percent from here. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm physically too tired. And so I had to choose. And um, yeah, at that moment, it was just like such a fun sport to me. I couldn't say no to it. So I chose volleyball. Oh, wow. Awesome. Uh, using kind of that background, uh, I know the, the team has their like cheers, their dances they do, uh, in the box. Uh, I know, I don't remember if I saw it this year, but I know in the past you've had like warm up dances too, uh, before like matches, uh, are you part of that choreography <laughs> at all? That's when I left the girls. Well, I think that happened like one year and it was when we had like a relatively young group and we were okay. just trying to let them, you know, kind of find what it is to be like in a professional setting, but also keep it loose, you know, so get comfortable in, in that setting. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. I, I had no idea. I'm glad I asked that question. <laughs> um, uh, Kind of another fun one here. Do you have any rematch rituals or like superstitions? Uh, I know I've, I've heard like, you know, don't wash your socks or D pads, stuff like that. Like anything like that, that, <laughs> that you have. No, I, I don't really. I think in college, um, playing for Russ Rose, like he was superstitious a little bit with certain routines and it was, um, like more of his thing. And I, I could appreciate it. Right. Like I think now, like certain things he said to me, like how you start a match, like the first point of a match, like set the tone. Right. So like certain mindset, stuff like that stuck with me, but as far as like having like a certain sports bra or, um, a certain type of underwear, like people get really crazy with it. Like you said, like not yeah, they do. And like, <laughs> no, I buffs clean. Like, um, but yeah, I think I just like having a checklist packing really helps me keep keep my head. But other than that, I'm not like I need to do or have certain things. You know, I try to kind of, in a sense, like overcome that step. That makes sense. Like mindset of like if something goes wrong, well, how do I deal with it? You know, so right. Oh, we were just talking about your love and and kind of background in dance. Do you have like a you know favorite genre of music that you like to listen to to kind of like pump you up in the locker room or or like a go to snack that kind of just kind of gets you in that mood? Um, I think like a PBJ is like always something easy on my stomach before a match. Um, I don't have to have it. Obviously, a coffee would be ideal. Um, but yeah, songs I like something upbeat but not super chaotic like. I'm, I'm a big, I have a wide range of music that I, I love. So it's kind of the mood, the mood dependent, I think. What's the, what's the go-to coffee order for you? Um, right now it's like a grande ice brown shaken, um, or shaken espresso, like the brown sugar one, but I, oh, like yeah. less the syrup and all the things, but, um, I actually, I'm living uh, on the beach this year and there's a place called two guns espresso and that's like, i love two guns yeah good. so i just learned about that this year and I'm is that man to... manhattan beach or they have other locations too yeah manhattan, uh, manhattan beach. beach yeah that's a good one i i, I like that's that good. coffee shop yeah yeah it's nice 
growing on me. So <laughs> I'm a big coffee drinker as well. I just decided I'm going to try to kick the afternoon coffees, uh, take that out of my routine. Although I really love them. I, I love a good iced coffee in the afternoon and yeah. with the baby coming, I might need it. So that might last, that might not last that long. <laughs> yeah, it's hard because like I'm trying to actually do the same, like at three, I'm trying to cut caffeine off. Yeah. So like good rest, but it's also sometimes like you need it if you're really busy. So yeah. Yeah. Just uh, need, need a little pick me up to keep chugging along for sure. For me, I just like, like the taste too. Like, I don't know if I really need it. I just, I enjoy it. I like it. <laughs> Maybe that's an addiction. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, you know, we kind of talked a little bit when you just jumped on, but I'll I just saw you at BNL in Arlington and obviously not the result, the end result that the team wanted, but um, I think a lot of good takeaways uh, from that event and just the competition that you got to play against um, for you personally, maybe for the team, what have you guys been talking about as far as just, you know, learning moments, takeaways from, from that experience? Yeah. I just think we're building right. Um, after last quad and it being like a three-year quad. And so it's like a strange situation, but um, just noticing that we have some experience um, to gain and we've got a lot to get better at. And I think the culture of our team is without question, like a strong suit for us now. Um, and I, I can say that we did a lot of work on that last pod, but now it's more so like fine tuning our technical and tactical stuff as a team. Um, so I think, like you said, it's like, it was just a learning opportunity for us. And um with some new players at BNL, like seeing how they, how well they did and what we can do better as a group. And yeah, just be more prepared for the two more competitions we have of this year. Yeah. Like you mentioned, uh, a lot of new players, younger players kind of coming in um, to this quad uh, for you, kind of what were your, um, I guess, uh, I guess reactions or just, you know, observations of, of seeing the younger group play and any, anyone in particular kind of stick out to you as just being like, wow, I can't believe you're playing at this level, this young. I mean, definitely Asia O'Neal. Yeah. I didn't set her a ton before we left and I, we just had a connection right off the bat, which is like not the easiest thing to do, but she was just like such a gamer and you know, after the first game, she was like, Mike, I was so nervous. She got subbed in and I was like, I couldn't even tell which is like, it speaks to how like regulated she kept it. So just really impressed by um, her maturity and like eagerness to learn and like follow as like someone who's climbing that ladder, right? Like you leave college and she's got another year of college and we're all giving her crap. That's crazy. She's like, I have one more year. But, um, yeah, we're like doing the dark salt, but she's like just very mature for her age. And like, I think, her potential is out of this world. So I'm really excited for her. And I just think we had some outsides who maybe not, I'm not a surprise, but I'm like super stoked that they, they joined and um, just a lot of talent there. So excited to see where, where we go. You mentioned uh, Asia and obviously not getting able to, or not being able to set her a lot before getting to Arlington uh, kind of flipping that, is there anyone that you just like love setting? Uh, you just like love their, you know, their runs that they, they do or anything like that. Well, it's, it's funny because I, I want to say Asia just because like, it was such a surprise. Yeah. 
And I was just like, I know I can like anywhere I can just splinter the ball and she's going to like, if it's not a perfect set, she's jamming the ball in the middle of the floor and like just finding different ways to score that maybe aren't as like common or like ways you think would be like good, but they're like a point. So it's just, um, I would honestly right now say her and we miss her right now. The gym, it's funny. Like we did like a middle block and turn. I'm like, oh yeah, like we're one short. Like, <laughs> you know, but yeah, no, I mostly though, it's when I, and it can be like, it, it's situational and sometimes it depends on the day, but when I can see a hitter is like here with me, that is like what I most enjoy is like, give me the ball. Like today, Kat was like, Micah, let's go. And I was like, all right, she's ready. You know, like, so that is like where that's like what fires me up. I think that's cool. Going back to just the BNL experience overall, um, what was your kind of take on it? The for me, um, I had never been to a BNL finals. I don't I don't believe there's ever been one in the US. Um, and seeing those crowds uh night in, night out, like was incredible. I think the semifinal match was just electric too with the crowd and just how loud it was and um yeah, I mean, it was in the US, but you you couldn't tell like really kind of what, you know, who was the home favorite um or where you're playing just because of the international crowd that came out too. And I think that just provided, you know, even more energy for for both squads. So yeah, could you speak to a little bit about just, you know, the fans that were that were there? Well, it's funny, we all were joking like, oh, Turkey brought like half the country here, you know, like they yeah. up. And I something that like Americans it's good for Americans to see too, but like, oh, we can actually go to other countries and watch our girls if like we really want to. And that's obviously like, that's a ticket and that's a lot of money and that's a flight and all the things. But um, it's just cool for America. We were, we were talking about that as a team, like for America to see some like professional volleyball. And um, I just hope it happens more to be honest, because we did have a good turnout. And like you said, like we didn't get the result we wanted, but we learned a lot. And I think, for America to see like, Hey, women's sports are showing up in all the countries. Like we could do more or like just be a little more consistent would be really cool. Yeah. I hope it, I hope it's not the last time, you know, we get crowds like that in, in the U S and hopefully, you know, it inspired or, you know, motivated some of the, you know, younger athletes who were there watching just to, you know, maybe have seen, volleyball on tv college volleyball professional volleyball but to kind of be there it's it's a whole nother animal and a whole nother beast and a lot of fun uh and hopefully that just kind of continues uh you know generation to generation here in the future yeah that's that's another thing we were talking about it's like these young girls get to see like what it looks like you know because growing up i never saw what it looked like like i saw jordan larson like at a high performance tournament but not like different countries you know it's just a different feel so exciting yeah well yeah looking ahead there's a, a couple tournaments i think coming up the norseka women's continental there's the olympic qualifier as well uh, later in a couple months um what's the what's the energy around the squad what are some of the goals that you guys are kind of talking about leading into those events yeah i mean not to get too detailed but like we're just putting in a lot of work in a lot of different areas and i think like i s- kind of said earlier like we're really working and have worked on the culture so much that we have the right people and it's just how we puzzle them together. Right. And how, um, tactically we put it together and how technically we can get better individually and then like piece that together as a team. I think they've got a lot of room for improvement and 
um, just exciting because I just feel like after being ill, everyone came back after our break and was super hungry to get those extra touches, like certain like situations. Hey, I need to get better at this and I want to wrap it out. You know, I think we're seeing that hunger and um, it'll be exciting to have like this rest of this training block to con- continue to do that and then compete. Um, obviously, two important I mean, one big tournament, right? But like, also the the start of that would be to do well at Marseca. So, yeah, definitely. Well, excited to to watch those uh, tournaments coming up. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, kind of want to go back to your background a little bit too. We we you mentioned dance and how that led you into volleyball, and you kind of touched on this a little bit. But would love to hear, or maybe hear you expand a little bit more on your introduction to volleyball, and maybe even specifically what those early days of volleyball were like for you. yeah, early days of volleyball. I was following my mom around a co-ed gym, and she would just play at this like school nearby our house, and she was playing with. Um, like three or four sisters who were like Native American and just like loved the game, like super passionate. And we were like, my God, these girls, like their ball control. Like I didn't know much, but I knew like they look like they know what they're doing. Like they're controlling this ball and they're, they're right. I was just automatically impressed. And I would just kind of like hit the ball against the wall. And then like gradually it was like me and my sister were playing with my mom. And then it was like, we would have, my mom coached just early. So we would have our like club practices there in that same gym. So just kind of came full circle there. And then um, high school came around. I was coached by the same man for high school and like some club. He was an Albanian national team player. So he had a lot of experience internationally already, which was great for me and my sister actually. Um, I also learned a ton from her, just like watching her be like three years above me and just doing different things that I couldn't do yet, but I could see it in repetition almost like almost like how you visualize, right? Like now as a player, I could see my sister doing these things that like I'll once be able to do. And it, um, it got me in the gym a ton. I think that was just like, I was around it so much and yeah, I played high school and then it was club, which I played like a six two my entire career. And so getting to college then was like, oh, you're a five one setter, like you're touching the ball a lot more. You're not just like hitting balls and like um you're not like the score anymore. You know, it's like how do I get my team in like the best positions to score? So that was like a mindset shift. And um yeah, I competed at the college level. But I think like the one thing that I really to like ingrain in like young players is the basics are so important and i know it's fun to like hit balls and like do the flashy thing but like passing balls for me even is like i was just getting reps and obviously at that time i was passing but passing getting up against the wall and just getting like the contact routinely off the wall like on the bounce off the wall and like making good contact and like wrist away and then like you know i i think that those are things that I did because I was alone with the ball, but like that time alone with the ball really helps you be confident when you like step on a team. Um, and so I, I just think that that's one thing America does differently than Europe is there's so much volleyball school in Europe and America, like think it's getting better, but we, we develop a lot of one dimensional players and um, very talented ones, but like, we need to have all the skills, right? Because that's what makes a great player. Is if you're not good at one thing, one game, you have three other, four other categories you can help the team out in. So it just kind of broadens your your 
your value, I think. Yeah, as a as a middle, you might be maybe only happened once a match, right. you know, or once a tournament, but you might that ball might come to you. That second ball might come to you to to set and you gotta be ready for that. I think we I think it was Cassie Lickman. Yeah, it was Cassie that we we talked to a few few episodes back and she talked a lot about being what you're exactly what you're saying, being an all around player, at least having those skills yeah. all the way around. And that was big in her career because she um, set, she played every position. I think she was came in or recruited as a setter in college and ended up playing outside and did a little opposite uh, and outside with the national team um, passing too. came in as a passer, but yeah, it's uh, it's very important. And I think it's, it's, it might be, it might not not every club might be doing it, but I think it's important, especially like you said, at an early age to, to try all those positions or, you know, get those reps at every position to, right. to, I think that'll only prolong your career at those top levels as well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I like lost where we were at, we were talking about, <laughs> got so deep into that. Yeah. That was awesome. Oh yeah. Talking about your background, of course. Oh, uh, you mentioned your coach, uh, who, um, Edgar, Ed, is that right? Um, Maraku, is that Maraku? Yeah. And he also, I believe early on, uh, coached the men's sitting team, um, us men's sitting team and, and helped out with that. And I think is still at UCO, yeah. um, which is also the sitting training center as well. Us sitting, uh, national team training center. Um, the, yeah. and I, I thought, when you were saying coach, I, I thought you were going to say Bill Hammeter. I could have sworn you played for Bill Hammeter, but was it the club that he was the director of? Um, I or? played for my 14th year. Okay. And yeah, that man taught me a lot about patience in the game. But yeah, it's I think it's just so funny that like where I'm from is where the like Paralympic team is. It's pretty cool because I get to see like how they train. Like it's like literally, well, my parents just moved, but when I was living there, it was like a five minute drive from my house so i would go by and like play around and my wrist would be like broken by the end of the training because it's really <laughs> like that you know but um yeah bill actually uh great coach he coached me and i not a lot of people know that i was kind of a diva when i was younger and like i wanted every ball and i was like why can't we do this you know but i was used to playing with older girls so he taught me like like you gotta you gotta lead you gotta be patient like you've gotta be helping where you can versus like pointing out the things you got to get solutions. Right. So I think he was a, he was a very integral part of like the player that I am today as well. Like we had, I got lucky in Oklahoma because I had some really good coaches growing up. I love that. That's just, I mean, that shows it right there, how small the volleyball world and community is. That's so cool that you have that tie. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. Kind of going you know, into your club years, do you have any favorite moments? I know you won bronze at uh, GJNC Girls Junior Nationals in 09, but um, yeah, any like fun memories from from playing club or or even just, um, you know, your youth volleyball days? I just think, um, yeah, I think that probably would have been one of our best moments as a team. I just remember like, living in that like club world and like loving competing no matter who we were playing and we were like for a while it was like we were trying to figure out how to win right like 
And then it would be like, we were to the point where we were scouting people and our coaches weren't telling us to scout. We were just like, oh, that's the girl from like Colorado who hits crop. You know, like we were just like building our living. That's cool. <laughs> this is like what it's about, you know, and um, our, our pool, like in Oklahoma is much smaller, right? Like then you see a Texas or California, like, um, but we did quite a bit with what we had. And I just think, um, yeah, it was just really fun. Like, that's why I chose volleyball because I just like loved competing so much. And it just exposed me to a world like seeing wave like at nationals and stuff. I'm like, who are these girls? Like all these girls are hitting like that one girl from Colorado. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like the talent was just like, whoa, like and it was cool for me to see that because it, it just humbles you and makes you say, OK, like if I'm going to master this skill. Like there are other people trying it too, you know? So it just, it puts you in like, and every day you got to earn it kind of thing. The mindset. I love that y'all were scouting and, you know, during your free time, uh, not playing. That's awesome. And like, probably those players or, you know, at least their faces kind of stuck in your brain and maybe saw them later on in your career in college or yeah. Were there any, is there anyone like that, that you remember that maybe you were a team that became a teammate later at Penn state or, or played a lot against in college? So I had a teammate, Iona Whitney in college who we, we were at like a USA um, camp together and we hit it off. We were roommates and yeah, she became my teammate Penn State back when like, I didn't know what Penn State, like I didn't know the legends. I didn't know anything about it. I actually like, my story is kind of weird with that. I don't know if you guys know that, but supposed to go to Tulsa university coach left there was a whole thing with like the NIL, like the letter attempt, you know, and I was like, okay, can I go check out the other colleges, whatever. There were not a lot of scholarships out and Penn state was the only school that had a setter like position that needed to be filled. Oh, wow. That's like, what are the odds? Right. So I go on like a spring break. It was super late. I go on an official visit and I'm like scrimmaging with these girls and I'm like, holy cow, like the amount of talent in this gym right now. And then I like see I on a freshman year summer and I'm like, no way, dude. you know, like I like thrown in there, like, well, you're coming here, you know? Um, but yeah, what was her name? Can't remember her, her last name, but her name was Morgan. She played for front range and she was like the Colorado hitter I was talking about. And she oh, okay. Um, and she ended up playing outside a little bit for them and also libero. She was just like good at all the skills, you know? And um, yeah, it's just funny. Cause those things, they don't leave you, you know, like we talk about that in the USA gen, like you build your encyclopedia, like every day we're competing against the same girls. If there's something they're doing and we're not stopping it, like we know what they like to do. So let's do be better at that, make them do something different. So yeah, it just started pretty young for me, I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, worked out pretty well for you at Penn state. Yeah. Uh, part of that dom those dominant years um you know i think it was er maybe mid early 2000s 07 to 10 maybe the the one back to back championships and then of course your years uh winning back to back championships as well what was it like being a part of you know such a prestigious program like penn state well it's funny cuz when you're in it you don't really you don't really think that right cuz you're working so hard and there's no like off switch um but yeah looking back it's like I'm super proud of what we did and um, I think how we did it. I think uh, we had 
some culture stuff to overcome as well. Like there's a lot of ego, right? You have a lot of really good players and it's like, how do you put a dream team together and make it work? Sometimes it's actually harder. Um, and we just had some really good talent coming back my freshman year. And it was like, okay, how do we, how do we figure this out as a team? And we figured that out my junior year and then senior year, we could roll over with some of the talent we had, right? We had a big graduating class that, uh, my junior year, but we had Ali and Haley join us my senior year and they were just like offensively insane. Like we were just figuring it out and yeah, it was a, it was a blast. I think that's the hard part is it's hard to go through it when you're like in the dirt and you're like earning your wins, which winning everyone loves to win. Right. But like the sacrifices we made to do that were a lot, but they were worth it. So looking back now, it's just like, I have a lot of, um, a lot of really good feelings about what we did and how, yeah, how we did it together. What's it like playing? You mentioned Haley. What's it like playing with Haley from college versus now at the national team? Is she, you know, the same? Has she changed any different, like differently at all? Yeah. I think as a young pup, she was just like out there and like very bubbly and like, she's like, I'm going to go hit the ball, you know? And now she's like, really like funneling her intelligence and like how to be tactical and like there's a lot of feedback and direction which obviously like I knew like I I knew her as a freshman in college so like she's had a lot of time to do that but um just super impressed with like the level of engagement she could have now and before it was kind of like I would just throw on her slides back there and she was just like so high that you know it's just it's also just a different um, level of play, obviously, that we're at now. But I think you have to do that to get those percentages. So I'm happy that we're still playing together. That's nuts. Like when we we had one, I can't what game, it was me, Allie, and Haley in the front row. And I was like, you know. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it still sticks with y'all. That's great. Yeah. That's cool. Um, kind of moving on you know, throughout your career, obviously. Yeah. Congratulations on winning the Olympic gold medal. Has that feeling like set in for you at all? Like, are you used to hearing Micah Hancock, Olympic gold medalist uh, at all? Um, it's weird. I go through like moments of like, yeah, that definitely happened. And like, I can think about the experience and, but also like the, the surrealness of like what we did. And the timing in which it happened, it was such a weird year for a lot of people in the world, you know? And like, I think we just capitalized on the fact that like, hey, it's going to be who can like get through the mud the best, you know? And I just think we really took like that extra year to dive into what, what else we need to win. And we did that. And I think too, if there's like the back end of it, right? Like we won, how do you handle that? Like, what's your new intention with volleyball, right? Like, is it to recenter yourself and like, Hey, I'm, I'm still going for mastery, right? Like that's what it is. Or if it's like some people, it's money, right? It's, it's a job. There's so many different paths you could take. And for a lot of, I think us, it was just like, we didn't realize the emotional side of like, after you win, what do you do with that? You know, emotionally, like what's driving you? So I think it was also a moment for us to, sit in like yeah we were good enough and now like the next year it starts all over again you know what i mean so right super super like i think just obviously one of the most special moments i'll think i'll ever have in my life but also 
just so much learning can come from that. So I'm honestly just honored. Yeah. Of course, one of the big storylines early on in the games was Jordan Poulter goes down with the injury. You come in to step in. Obviously, you've sat in big moments before that, but it's you know a whole other stage. It's the Olympic Games. Was there any extra pressure for you that you were feeling, or what were kind of you know what were you thinking going coming into that moment? Sure, I think it definitely was like a okay, like, and I'm very like emotionally connected to my teammates. So part of it is like weathering the storm of like your teammate just went down, right? And then what do I need to do? Like be back against the wall. If it's just, if it's just me, like our odds in like a, a five setter, like, you know, if it's three out of whatever, like we're going to get it done. And so it was just kind of like compartmentalizing, like she's going to be okay. I have to do this now, you know? And um, I think the team did a really good job of like, we're, we're doing it. Like you're here, you're on the court and we're going to do it. And I think, I mean, I'll always preach team over everything, but that was one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had in my life. Just being like, okay, this isn't like our first choice. Like this was an ideal a starter gets injured. But the fact that we also had two starters get injured here yeah. and one of a medal, I, it's just like that. It just, it just preaches team. So, um, yeah, there's definitely a little bit of like, okay, like my hands are frozen rocks, but let's figure it out. So, um, yeah, like I said, the team did a great job. And like, I was just like, Hey, you just gotta go. Just gotta go. Cause it's what you play for, you know? Yeah. I think that's like you're saying right now, a testament to the team and the culture. And we've had card Sean, we've talked to Aaron virtue, your, you know, your teammates from that moment. And they've talked about the 23 strong uh, and just instilling that culture early on. Uh, for that quad, I think was huge and probably, you know, a huge impact and helped you in that moment as well. Um, just knowing your team is behind you, got your back, you know, no matter who's on the court, you know, exactly. That's awesome. What, you know, in that moment, that final ball comes down, Jordan Larson put that final ball down in that moment, you know, is it still a blur for you? Have you been able to piece it all together? Like, what were you feeling what were you saying to your teammates your coaches in that in that incredible moment i remember her like i knew once the ball was set to the go because she had been hitting that she was cracking balls against yeah he wants it you know and i remember i was like one of the last ones out because i was like in shock like and not like oh my god we did it what it was like we did it like we did it. We did it. What we did, what we said and like looked at each other in the eyes that we were going to do this last year. And we like just kept reading like life into that. And I remember like running out and just being like, I can't wait to get my hands on these girls, you know, and just like look at them and be like, we, we are good enough right now. And let's fucking relish in it, you know, excuse me, but, but we could sit in it and like, just be like, yeah, like we figured it out, you know? And, I just think the photos, I, we were all just stunned. I don't know if everyone, like, I don't know if anyone posted right after the fact, we were all just like, we're just going to chill because we, we deserve that for a second, you know? And, um, yeah, I do remember though, like 
being stopped and then like running and like, oh my God, everyone's running out there, you know, like I'm behind, <laughs> but what a great moment. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I can't even, can't even imagine what that feels like, but uh, yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's awesome. What uh, obviously, you know, a very unique Olympic games with COVID and no fans being there, your family can't be there. Um, what are you kind of looking for? Obviously the roster is not announced yet, but if you're selected for the next Olympic games, what are you kind of looking forward to uh, in that experience? You know, it's going to be kind of, you know, back to normal. There's going to be fans, uh, but anything that you're like, just really looking forward to getting that full Olympic experience for. Yeah. I think just like experiencing like the village at its normal state and not having to like slob and, um, like hands off, we were just literally doing everything we had to do to not get COVID. And so I can't wait to like explore Paris a little bit. Like if I get to go, I want my family there. Um, oh, I think we lost her. <laughs> Got you back. <laughs> Emily just called me and I spazzed. So. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> uh, Back. We'll pick it up right there. That was, I was, I feel like that was going to be really good. So let's yeah. keep going with that. Yeah. Yeah. Having yeah. your, you're looking forward to having or exploring Paris, have your family there. Yeah. yeah. Fans, I think like serving at the Olympic games and like seeing just empty seats was like, I haven't ever done this, you know? And so it was just like, there's a fuel you get from the crowd. And I think it would have just been a lot of fun. It would have been like, completely different experience for us if we had had that in tokyo and there's just like a fire that it brings and sure maybe some nerves but also like so much so much more fun and like just you're just showing what you've been working on so i think that's another just another aspect that would be it would make it more like a real experience for me at least yeah Definitely want to get back to normal, but also still kind of cool to to say you're at that Olympic Games, you know, not only at Olympic Games, but such a unique Olympic Games, too, uh, in those circumstances. I know. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely uh, be looking forward to not having to poke my nose every morning, um, <laughs> but uh, kind of cool to, to say you're there, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, kind of moving over into your professional side, you've, you've played overseas, I think since you've graduated or since you graduated Penn state, um, what are some of the, like, I guess, favorite spots you've been able to, um, to play in any uh, favorite countries that you've got to play in? Um, well, this will be my seventh year in Italy. So I think it's safe to say Italy's, you know, done me right. Uh, it's really enjoy the culture. Um, in the volleyball, the volleyball has taught me a lot, um, like on and off the court. I had a couple of years in Poland and I think for that experience, it was like, wow, these fans really show out for their players. And I just really enjoyed that after like being at a decent college, right. And like not maybe expecting that from overseas, but being like, whoa, these people like really love their teams and their players. And I think Poland too was maybe the first time I saw like, a mom bring her child onto the court and I was just like whoa like at some point I would like to do that you know like you see that in the NBA but you like the amount of freedom I think that's within women's sports maybe different I'm not really sure if that's on us or then but you know it's more of like a do it and then ask later right or like apologize yeah. but 
um, it was just a really cool moment for me to see like families um, incorporated into like a professional life. So um, yeah, I think one of my other experiences, it's still Italy, but it was right out of college and I was just like a, it was like a little bean. I had no idea what I was doing. I knew there was like, I had just gotten like national player of the year felt pretty good, but like knew what was going to be different and like um, got to a moco and was like really humbled, you know, in like the best way, right? Like I saw how much talent there was overseas and these are like real women and I'm like, okay, I've got a lot of like work to do. And um, so I think that was like my wake up call to like, this is like kind of like starting as a freshman again and not getting um, overwhelmed with that, but just like super ready for a new challenge and I think as I've aged, I learned like the changes that life brings you are most likely because you're ready for them. So yeah, super, super stoked to have had the path I've had. Any, as you mentioned that, it just came into my head to ask like any advice that you would have for, you know, a college player who's just graduated, who's looking to, and then even now it's changed from when you came out because you got U.S. professional leagues coming out too. But any advice for, you know, how an athlete coming out of college can best prepare for, for that moment, that transition? Yeah, I think it's just to like have grace with yourself and know that it is like another ladder you have to climb and you're not going to be perfect from the get go. And I think a lot of us elite athletes are just that, like we want to be like elite no matter where we are and what conditions they are. And there are no excuses for perfectionists, but it's like, you can still work really hard and not be good enough yet, you know? And, um, so I think it's just, yeah, being patient with yourself and putting in the work, you know, and like not making excuses and being coachable, but, um, yeah, keeping your head down and just doing the work and the process of it will pay off. What's your favorite part about playing overseas? Is it the food, you know, experiencing the cultures, kind of all the above or yeah. What are your favorite parts? I love to like put on a cute outfit and go get like coffee or like dinner with my teammates, especially I meet up with my Americans a lot over there. And, um, yeah, I like to explore new spots. I'll be more in Milan as I've been like the last five years. Um, but last year I was on the coast and it was just further away from like most of my friends, which is, which is totally fine. Cause it actually helped me make deeper connections with Italians and other foreigners. But, um, yeah, I just, I love to travel when I have time and see my people. I think, um, it can be isolating over there too. I think that would be another foreign advice I have is like connect with your people that you need to when you're overseas and, um, journal. I think journaling helps so much because then you can see like where your mindset is and like, you know, that ever gets to a dark place, like you can reach out to people. I think like I always joke, like we stick together, like Americans stick together because when I see a young American, I go say hi. Cause I remember being the young American and being like, what do I do? Like, do I say hi? And I'm like wanting to chat with people, you know? So I think that would be another thing is just connecting. Yeah, that's cool that, you know, they might be on your, they might not be playing for your club, your American teammates, but um, they might be in Italy, they might be somewhere else in Europe, but it's so easy to travel over there and kind of meet up on your off days. And yeah, that's cool that you're able to still experience that. I know I see it on social media every now and then. I I just think that's one of the coolest parts to be able to, for you guys, I I would imagine just to be able to connect and stay connected uh, and, you know, just grab a coffee somewhere or go to dinner. Yeah. I've. I've made some of my best memories and like, obviously my adult life has been mostly spent overseas. So like 
I think for a while it was like, well, I can't do that because I have a job. And it's like, well, you can also go have one drink at dinner. You know, you can have a balanced life and see your friends. And I think that it's just pretty cool to look back and be like, wow, it's been a lot of time in Italy. You know what I mean? And have like seen Portugal and Barcelona and all these places because I had maybe two days off. And I said, hey, I'm going to go do this instead of sit at home for two days. And um, yeah, I'm super grateful for that. That's cool. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I love hearing about the, uh, the professional international experience because something that, you know, for me, for fans in the U.S. don't really get to see a ton uh, and really, you know, see the behind the scenes, too. I think that's really cool. Uh, we, I, I promised I would ask you about your cats, so I want to kind of get to that, too, before I let you go. Uh, are you a cats over dogs person or, or where, where are you at on that stance? <laughs> well, it's the- I, I I don't feel like I'm the cat's over dogs person, but then like I think about certain things that dogs do and I'm like, oh, I don't love it. You know, like they drool. They are they are sweet animals. I'm an animal person in general, but I think especially for now in the state, I'm like I'm traveling a lot. I feel like I could still give Klaus like a great home and like take care of him. But like even this summer, I traveled a ton and I had like friends coming by twice a day, like cuddle him, feed him, you know, like do all the things <laughs> right next to me right now. Just hanging out. But yeah, I think I love dogs, too. I just I couldn't take care of one at this stage in my life. So I, I feel like they are a little bit needier than than yes. a cat. Typically, I, I think there are some very social cats who need attention. But I think typically dogs are the more needier ones. <laughs> he, there, like I'll, I wish he was more needy, you know. But then, yeah, he's loving. He'll come over to me and like just lay on my neck for thirty minutes. I'm like, okay, are you good now? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. Bye. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a different need. I feel like. And you, you have a cat. I think I heard Klaus. Is that right, Klaus? How'd you come up with that name? Um. So I was in the midst of like deciding if I wanted to go get him. Yeah, I had to wait two months. I actually got him off a farm in Italy, so he's Italian. He's got a passport and all the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I was watching Umbrella Academy and yeah, I've seen it. I haven't seen the latest season. I've been saving that. Uh, so, it'll probably be part of my uh, paternal leave. <laughs> yeah, benches. Right. Um, so he named Faust number four because, oh yes. Okay. So when he was a kitten, he had this like very chaotic energy and I just thought it fits so well. And now it's like aged perfectly because he's a little more calm and it's almost like German. So I don't know. It just, it really fits him. So I love that. That makes total sense uh, why you chose that name. <laughs> That's cool. Do you have like a, um, I feel like pet owners make up voices for their pets. Do you have like an Italian voice that you have for Klaus or a German voice you have for Klaus? <laughs> Not listening to me though, I'll start speaking some Italian to him. I'm like, Iniqua! and then he's like, What? He's like, <laughs> okay. like, I speak English, but um, no, I always just talk to him like a child, like that's just unavoidable as a cat parent. I love that, that's cool. Yeah, we have a lot of um, actually, uh, Lara on this call has a cat, or Clarence, my co host, also has a cat, he's not here, uh, but he's gonna be sad that he missed this conversation. Uh, but their cats love to get up on the camera uh, during our team's calls, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they want to they be on top of it. And I'm like, you can't do that. It's like when you can't give them attention, they want 
the most attention. <laughs> like, how do we cause problems? Yes, I'll do that. Right. <laughs> I love that. Micah, thank you so much. This has been so great talking to you and getting to know a little bit more about you. Is there anything that we left on the table or anything that you'd like to share before we let you go here? No, I think um, I think we had a good little a little podcast episode. I loved it. Yeah, look, it came together. This was great. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Yeah, and, and we'll be uh, we'll be paying attention to the competitions coming up, and good luck in uh, upcoming season is in the U.S. and of course um, overseas as well. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye. Bye. As I mentioned before, I'm so sad I missed the interview because I mean cats right they're so cool and it's so i while i was kind of listening to the interview uh you know getting caught up because you know i I did miss it um i do love the reason that micah has a cat you know she's got a crazy travel schedule you know that's one in life it's like super crazy and uh, that's actually a reason why i tell a lot of the people that i know that's the reason i have a cat myself it doesn't it's not because i don't like dogs or any other animal it's because you know cats are very you know self-maintainable if that's a word whatever using it right now but i mean you know on those long road trips and then uh you know in her sense you know she's got a lot of international travel going on and just you know much 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 busier life there too it doesn't make sense so uh proud cat people over here shout out to the cat people in the world but in addition to that um i do really like what micah said about dancing and, you know, how that led to her involvement in volleyball and how ultimately, unfortunately, she had to, you know, pick between, you know, dance or, you know, volleyball. You know, I think oh, I think she made a great decision, you know, give or take. But I mean, um, really like the fact that she also mentions that, like, she's a big, big advocate for those who, you know, dance without thinking or no strings attached or just move how you feel if you you know dance to the rhythm or dance to the lyrics you know who cares just make sure you're having a good time because it's a it's a good you know point of i guess expression stress relief you know all the above too you know i know for all those you know me and you know we go out to our favorite areas on the first on a dance floor and it's it really warms my heart to see everybody else out there as well, too. So big advocate for dancing. But, you know, I think that can be a whole episode separately. If we talk to all of our future guests about dancing alone and how they do about and how they do about it, how they go about all the other stuff. Um, I think that'd be a pretty interesting episode moving forward. But <clears throat> enough about that. Big thank you again to Micah for coming on the show. We know you're very, very busy and getting ready um, to qualify or uh, to compete to qualify for some Olympic matches coming up. So we appreciate you taking the time to chat with Steven. Um, also, what a little treat to also have Steven come out of paternity leave um, just to record um, the interview there, too. So, um, <clears throat> you know, just for the record, Steven did record um, that interview um, before he went on leave. And then, you know, I was able to kind of handle that there, too. But now, yeah, he's officially off and on uh, paternity leave. And we'll be following along his journey on social media as well there, too. But speaking of following along, uh, you guys can also follow along with the U.S. Women's National Team as they prepare to qualify for the 2024 Paris Olympic Games. You can follow Micah on Instagram at Micah Hancock. And you can follow the Women's National Team at USAVWNT.
It was nice knowing uh, that we were chatting with a cat fan. Like I mentioned, PK, my cat would be so proud. He would have been all over the keyboard and all over the interview just to be nosy like cats do. But again, thank you so much, Micah. Now, on to our upcoming events. First up, we got the FIVB U21 Women's World Championship from August, almost in October, excuse me, August 17th through the 26th in Leon in Aguas Calientes, Mexico, which is going on now. And it's probably the second day of full play. Um, and they're now two and one after the first full two. So basically, basically make sure you tune in and follow along that journey there too. We also had the Norseca Women's Pan American Cup final six, August 19th through the 27th in the Dominican Republic. It is also going on right now. On to the beach tour event side of volleyball. USA Volleyball Beach Tour Old Dominion Tidewater National Qualifier in Virginia Beach, Virginia is August 26th through the 27th. Next up, we have the GCVA September BRQ in League City, Texas from, not from, on September 2nd. So a lot of beach qualifiers coming up um, this coming season as well, too. So be on the lookout for those. Now, I know we're all very well off, but it is also indoor junior registration season, which is also its own monopoly of events. But we had the 2023 Mountain Classic Boys Qualifier registration already opened right now. Registration opened up on August 9th. And we have about, I want to say, just over 50 teams signed up for that tournament as well up in the Denver Convention Center. It's going to be a fun one. So make sure if you have a boys club team, you're interested in a really, 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 really great competition. Be sure to register for the Mountain Classic Qualifier um, in the beginning of December. Registration is now open. Next up, we had the 2024 Salt Lake City Showdown 18th Qualifier. That registration opens up on September 13th. Next up, we have the 2024 Sunshine Classic Qualifier in Orlando, Florida. Weekend 1 registration opens up on October 4th. Weekend 2 registration then opens up and follows that on October 11th. Next up after that, we will have the 2024 ASICS Show Me Qualifier with registration for Weekend 1 opening up on October 12th. And then Weekend 2 registration will open up on October 19th. Lastly, in our junior registration season Palooza, we have the 2024 Salt Lake City Showdown Qualifier registration that opens up on October 18th for weekend one and then October 25th for weekend number two. Good luck to everyone competing and shout out to all of the USA Volleyball regions for setting up and hosting these events. It takes a village and sometimes you have a village of two people, village of one and village of three. It really depends on the manpower there. And it's not easy. So big shout out to you guys there. More details to come in all upcoming events can also be found at usavolleyball.org. Now, moving on to the pro side of things. First up, we have the Beach Pro Tour Futures Faden in Austria uh, on August 23rd through the 27th. Next up, we also have the Beach Pro Tour Futures Egypt August 23rd through the 27th. Overlapping days on a lot of these as well, too. So make sure you are tuning in and staying up to date on each event in whatever location they are in as well, too. Next up after that, we have the Beach Pro Tour Futures Brno in Czech Republic from August 24th through the 27th. 
Next up after that, another beach tour event, Beach Pro Tour Futures in Seoul, Korea from August 24th through the 27th. Again, a lot of overlapping dates there, too. Be sure to tune in for every single one. You do not want to miss this. Um, next up, we have the North Seca Women's Continental Championship in Canada from August 27th through September 4th. Next up after that, we have the Beach Pro Tour Futures Montpellier Men's in France from August 30th through September 3rd. Beach Pro Tour Futures Warsaw in Poland, August 31st through September 3rd. Another beach tour event following that. Uh, we have the Men's Future Corigliano Rosano in Italy, August 31st through September 3rd. Next up after that, we have the Norseca Beach Trinidad in Maracas Bay, Trinidad, September 2nd. Lastly, we have the Norseca Men's Continental Championship at the Charleston Coliseum and Convention Center in Charleston, West Virginia from September 5th through the 10th. Be sure to get your tickets right now. Again, like I said above in News with Hughes, an opportunity to see the men's national team on home soil once again. So that's it for the pro side of things. And just remember, listeners, you can rate, review and share this podcast with your friends families, teammates, pet cats, pet dogs, pet rabbits, whatever you want to do, whatever animal you own, be sure to share this podcast. It really helps podcast grow and reach new listeners and check out our video episodes on our website and on YouTube. Uh, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all of your continued support. It has been an amazing journey from the start of this podcast all the way up until now. We're very thankful for it. Very thankful for you as friends of the pod as well. If you know a club that should be featured or a story that you would like us to share, you can email us at the USAV show at USAV.org. Be sure to leave us feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know about any future topics you want us to hear about. Um, we will definitely take that into consideration and into uh, account, too. We're trying to hit 100 episodes before the end of the year, too. The more content, the better, for sure. But remember, new episodes drop every other week. And until then, thank you all for listening to episode number 72 of the USA Volleyball Show. We are the official podcast of USA Volleyball. This has been the USA Volleyball Show with Clarence Hughes and Stephen Munson. Produced by Curtis Ward. Our content producer is Lara Fawcett. Our marketing lead is Bree Jaycox. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate and review. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the USA Volleyball Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 